God's grace and his mercy and his peace are yours and mine, I hope, as well, in Christ Jesus. Never forget a kid's name. I'm so sorry. Um, so, you know, we just built a house. How many of you knew that? Teresa and I built a house. We moved in. Okay, I'm hoping most of you know. Some of you don't know that, though. Some of you haven't heard that. So we moved into a house. took 10 months. Two of us built it and, a bunch, and some subs. And it was a blast. Uh, but I'm really glad that I'm doing this. This is what I was built to do was to be your pastor, and along with Chris. I'm just really honored to have the privilege of doing that. But now, let me tell you a funny thing. I cannot tell you. So we, had, we lived in a rental. So when you come out of Grace, and Teresa and I both work here, so we kind of live here, and then as you go out, we would always go that way up to the Highland area. That was the area of town that we lived in. So you'd always go that way, go up to the house. Well, then we lived in this rental, but you went that way to go to the rental. Guess how many times I went that way? I tell you, and now, guess how many, after 10 months of living down there, guess how many times I've now gone this way. And so I have had to make a bunch of U-turns in my life. And U-turns are embarrassing <laughs> when I'm going down there. So the people down at the fire station got to know me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, um, but U-turns are what Lent is about. And it's one of the reasons I love this. U-turns, not course correction, not a little drift to the left, not a 15-degree adjustment. It's a U-turn. It's a moment of stopping and saying, I was going the wrong way, and now it's time to come home. And so I love this season because this is the time when we can get to the right house. I needed to get to the right house. And I'm grateful that this is the house which God has offered. And in this house, as you heard in the gospel reading, God has prepared a banquet. And I love this parable that he says, and it's prefaced by someone who, having heard Jesus speak and give a speech you know, and teach, he must have just been inspired because it seems like it's a voice from the crowd. And then he cries out and he says, blessed, let me just see how he says, he goes, um, oh goodness, sorry. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus tells this parable. A parable about a wealthy man who prepared a great banquet. And it took a long time to get a banquet ready for this number of guests that he was preparing. And so he had, to, he had sent out two messages. The first message was, I'm preparing a banquet for you. That, that should have been great news all by itself. And then they would send out a second one and say, now it's ready, you need to come. Right? The food is hot, the food is prepared, the servants are in place, the table has been set, come now. And you see what the reaction was. But it appears that it was the delight of the master to offer this banquet to people. A huge number of people. This isn't just his family or his closest friends. He's offering a huge banquet. Imagine a king providing a meal for his entire kingdom. And he's delighted to do that. The echo of this that I love is the thing that we're celebrating, especially tonight, for these, those, these young men and women who are receiving their first communion. Jesus says it in the Gospel of Luke. I love this. As he gathers his disciples together at the banquet feast, at the table, for the Passover, as the Jews are preparing to celebrate the Passover, Jesus knows that he is going to give them his body and blood, and the next day, pour out his body and blood on the cross for their salvation. And Jesus says these words, I have eagerly desired to have this meal with you. Now stop for just a second and think about that. Think about who he's saying it to. 
He's saying it to a group of men and perhaps some women that are part of that group, but particularly we know his disciples, who that evening are going to argue amongst themselves about who's the greatest. And then they're going to argue amongst themselves about who's going to betray or deny him. Peter's going to be a big boastful braggart and say, I'll never deny you or I'll always stand by you. I'll even go to the death for you. And, they're going to, and Jesus is going to announce that you're, I'm going to be betrayed by one of you. And he still institutes this meal, which assures them tangibly and certainly of the forgiveness of their sins. Knowing full well that in just a matter of hours, he's going to ask them to pray with them, and they can't keep their eyes open. He's going to be arrested by the Jewish temple guard, and Peter's going to lop off the ear of, some servants, of one of the servants of the high priest. He's got good aim, doesn't he? He's going to, Jesus is going to say, uh, he's, going to, he's going to criticize them and he's going to tell them this is not how it gets done. He's going to be betrayed unto death by one of his own disciples with a kiss. They're going to run and hide. Peter will deny even knowing him, swearing up and down that he does not. They're going to go into hiding. Only one of them makes it to the foot of the cross. This is not a proud group. And yet Jesus said those words, I have eagerly desired to have this meal with you. Why? Because he knows how much they need it. And Jesus is saying the same thing to each one of us tonight. I have eagerly desired to have this meal with you. You know, when you read the parable, isn't it interesting? It's great, right? Hey, come, all has been raided. Ah, I bought a new car. I got to take it out for a spin. You know, I got married. I'm going on my honeymoon. I can't wait for that. You know, I, I, I bought me a piece of land. I got to go look at some houses, house designs, to see what I can build on there. They give excuse after excuse after excuse. So, who ends up coming and sitting at the table of the Lord at the banquet? The poor and the crippled and the lame. Now, I don't know if you're going to like this much, but we're that club. Poor and the crippled and the lame who come broken and in need, a need which only Christ can fulfill. Because if we don't come as the poor and the crippled and the lame and the needy, why would we come? And so Jesus comes to offer us the gifts which he has. And so God has prepared a feast, and he's spared no expense in providing it. God has prepared for us. God is ready for us to come. Are we prepared for him? So maybe this is a little bit of law. I'm going to turn it into gospel. But that's why we go through this preparation. Sometimes people wonder, well, why do you do that? Why do you make kids go through classes? You know, when I went through confirmation growing up in this faith tradition, I went for two years. I was in seventh and eighth grade. And I went every week to the pastor's office. And we memorized what's called the small catechism. And we regurgitated it for the pastor. And we did that for two years. And when I got, then we did a test. I got every question right. I was a religious prodigy. <laughs> I got everyone right. And so on that confirmation Sunday, I went to my first communion, and I was absolutely certain I had earned the right. That's a horror that I thought that. That is an offense that I thought that. And so please do not misunderstand us when we ask 
your children to go through classes, please do not take that as we are making them earn the right for something which God gives so freely. But let me tell you what we do do by going through classes and by preparing. We honor the host, don't we? We honor the one who prepared the meal. We honor the one who gave his own life. We understand what's provided and we understand what it cost. And we're proclaiming to everyone our gratitude at his great gift to us. So when this happens, when, when we say, are you, this is one of the questions we ask. Because in the scriptures, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it talks about receiving the Lord's Supper worthily. It's one of the questions I always ask, my ki- ask the kids in the class. Who is worthy to receive the Lord's Supper? Well, is it the person who took the classes? Is it the person who passed the test? Is it the person who happens to be a member of a church? Worthy and well-prepared. This comes, and again, we don't think Martin Luther is like divine. We think he's fairly smart. Martin Luther said this, The person is worthy and well-prepared who believes in these words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. That's all. It's faith which takes hold of what God is offering here. It's faith which clings to the body and blood of Jesus Christ, poured out for us on the cross. It's faith which rejoices and proclaims. The one who is worthy and ready, the one who, has been, who is prepared, is the one who has been prepared. And you have been prepared to come. Because in our faith we say these things. And let me just say this to everyone here. If you say these words with us, it is critical that you come to the table and receive this gift. These are what we teach. I'm in need, and I cannot heal myself from my sins. Secondly, only Jesus can forgive my sins and restore me to right union with God. And thirdly, Jesus himself promises to be present here with his body and his blood to assure me that his gifts of forgiveness and eternal life are also here. If you share that, you must come so that you can receive what Christ himself has offered. Because it isn't us preparing ourselves; It's he who has prepared for us and he who has prepared us. So come. All has been made ready. To the praise and honor of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.